welcome to the 75th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead, turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week, we're doing something slightly different. It's a single serving size episode, and that's something under my three film minimum to be considered a franchise. This week, we're talking about The Descent. So there are two movies total. The first one, The Descent, was released in 2006 in the U.S. It's a British film and was released in the U.K. a year earlier. Written and directed by Neil Marshall. Uh, He's a director, writer, editor. Besides Descent, he's done lots of other stuff. Dog Soldiers, Doomsday, Hellboy, lots of TV shows. Uh, including episodes of Game of Thrones, Constantine, Hannibal, Black Sail, etc. Produced by Christian Coulson, starring six women, Shauna McDonald, who's the main character, Sarah, Natalie Mendoza, who's Juno, Alex Reed, Sakia Mulder, Nora J. Noon, Mayanna Burring. Music by David Julian. Um, and he's done music for a lot of Christopher Nolan things. Besides this, including, uh, let's see, Memento, uh, Prestige, uh, and things like that. Runtime of the first movie is 100 minutes, so it's not a big time investment. The second movie is A Descent 2, released in the U.S. in 2010, so four years later. This went straight to DVD. It was directed by John Harris who was the editor on the first movie, so he moved to to the director's seat here. Screenplay is by James McCarthy, Jake Blakeman, and James Watkins, produced again by Christopher Coulson and Ivana McKinnon, executive produced by Neil Marshall, who, of course, we just talked about. He's the director of the first movie, and starring, again, Shauna McDonald as Sarah, as well as... um, Douglas Hodge, Christian Cummings, Gavin O'Herlihy, Josh Davis, and Anna Skillern. Music is, again, by David Julian. And the runtime of the second movie is 94 minutes. Where to find these movies? Tubi has both, both for free. Amazon has both for $4 each. It is not on Netflix, Hulu, or Shudder. Rotten Tomatoes scores, the first movie, critics gave an 85, audiences gave a 76, so that's pretty good. The second movie, as usual, is lower, critics gave it a 55, audiences gave it a 34. The plot of the first movie, IMDb says, A group of close female friends on a yearly adventure vacation find themselves trapped and hunted in a series of caves by an unknown force. So it opens with six women who are whitewater rafting and on the trip back um, in the car, Sarah's husband and daughter are gruesomely killed when some pipes fall off of truck and go straight through the car and impale them. So that's a, that's a pretty shocking opening. It reminded me a lot of Final Destination. Sarah survives, but she spent a long time in the hospital recovering. And then a year later, the six friends who are, as we already said, Sarah, Juno, Beth, Sam, Rebecca, and Holly go to explore a cave system called the Borum Caves. Um, The show says this is in the Appalachian Mountains, and there were some 
license plate that had North Carolina tags, so I think they're in North Carolina. Uh, things are fun to start with. Everybody's joking around, but they soon go downhill. They learn that the trip plan that was filed is not for this cave. This is not Borum Caves. Juno has taken them to an uncharted cave system, so when there is um, some sort of uh, rock slide or something internally, they get lost, and now there's zero chance of rescue because people don't even know what cave they're in. This happens about halfway through the movie. And then, if that weren't bad enough, all of a sudden, these creatures start attacking them. They look like humans, but they are like a whitish gray color. They have pointy ears and teeth, and they're blind. They hunt like bats via echolocation, so they do make this chittering sound. Um, and they also like to scream a lot. They're supposedly humans who evolved to live in the caves. Of course, the women don't know that, but... Uh, we learn that later from a commentary. And the creatures start picking off the women one by one. It gets down to Sarah and Juno. By this time, Sarah's put two and two together and realizes that Juno was having an affair with her husband before he died. Sarah um, also knows that Juno left Beth for dead because she has the uh, necklace that Juno always wore. So she stabs Juno in the leg with an axe and then takes off, leaving her there for the creatures to attack her. Sarah climbs up a big pile of bones to the surface and escapes. Oh, and at some point they see a cave drawing in the cave that indicates there are two openings. So that's the second one is what they're looking for after they got cut off from the first entrance. So Sarah climbs up a gigantic pile of bones. It looks like these creatures um, leave the caves to hunt and then drag the animals back down inside. And then, here's an interesting thing. There are two different endings to this movie. So the U.S. ending has her climbing out, getting in a car, driving away, uh, and then pulling off to the side of the road where she's hysterical, and then she has a vision of Juno in the seat beside her. That's the U.S. ending that is on Tubi. The U.K. ending does all of that, but then after that scene, there's an additional scene that shows Sarah seeing her daughter blow out a birthday cake, and then it turns out she was hallucinating and that she has been in the cave all along. Um, and at that point, all the creatures in the cave swarm and attack her. So it was thought that the UK ending was too uh, dreary for US audiences, so that's why they changed it. Descent 2, IMDb. Descent 2 goes spelunking for its predecessor but never digs behind surface chills, although the efficient Splatterfest contains enough nasty set pieces to sate the gore prone. So the second movie picks up two days after the events of the first movie. A tow truck driver finds a badly injured Sarah. She goes to the hospital, and the search parties are busy looking for the missing women, but of course they're looking in the wrong cave. So a sheriff, a deputy, Sarah who conveniently has amnesia and has no memory of the previous events, and three rescue personnel get into the cave via an old mine elevator. So apparently there's a mine attached to this cave system. The usual happens. The crawlers, and that's what we call them. They're never called this during the movie. Um, appear and they start knocking people off as usual. 
and a surprise twist, Juno is still alive. I wasn't sure how that could happen since there's nothing to eat in the cave, but just a reminder that it's only two days later, so that's why. The final three to uh, stay alive are the Deputy, Rios, Sarah, and Juno. And then Juno tries to save Sarah but is killed. I guess she feels bad for how she's treated her up until that point. Um, and then Sarah screams and draws all the monsters towards her so that Rios has a chance of escaping and she also climbs up the bones and out the entrance and she's running through the woods. You think she's safe, but remember the guy who was operating the mine elevator? He sees her and whacks her in the head with a shovel and drags her back to the entrance again for the monsters to get her. So... Uh, we're not sure why he does that. The movie ends at that point, but we think maybe it's so the creatures are, uh, fed enough so that they don't go roaming out someplace else and try to kill anybody else, including him. We're not sure. Anyway, nobody gets out of that movie alive. On to trivia. And as usual, there's a lot more trivia for the first movie than the second movie. So in the first movie... The descent was not filmed in the cave due to the difficulty and cost of filming. Interior scenes were created on a set, several sets, at Pinewood Studios near London. The budget of the movie was $3.5 million, and then it made $57.1 million, so that's pretty good. The film's poster art, which is really cool, was borrowed from a portrait photo by Philippe uh, Hausman, of Salvador, Salvador Dali entitled Salvador Dali in Voluptate Morse, I think. Um, and then that photo was inspired by Dali's uh, painting female bodies as a skull. The same imagery was used for a poster for Silence of the Lambs. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. That's pretty cool. Bloody Gut Disgusting list. The Descent in its top 20 horror films of the decade. The crawlers were designed to represent Nosferatu from the film Nosferatu from 1922. They originally had huge white eyes to begin with, but the idea was done away with because they looked too silly. And it took three and a half hours in makeup to transform an actor into a crawler. They also had to shave off their body hair. As stated in the cast commentary on the special edition DVD, Shauna, McDonald, Natalie Mendoza, and Alex Reed did the entire whitewater rafting sequence on their own without any stunt doubles or effects. The appearance of the creatures was kept secret from the cast members until the first scene in which they encountered them during filming. When the cast was finally filming the scene where the girls encountered the crawlers, the girls were genuinely scared and screamed, and ran off the set laughing. Production on the film was fast-tracked so that the movie would be released before a similarly-themed American film called The Cave from 2005. Unfortunately, The Descent opened in the same week as the 2005 London bombings, which considerably hurt the film's chances at the box office. The jokey production name during the, film was, during the filming was Chicks with Picks, 
At director Near Marshall's insistence, all the people playing the villainous crawlers were professional actors rather than stuntmen or dancers. He wanted them to cultivate a distinct character for each crawler, although in the finished film, many crawlers only appear for a few seconds. 21 separate cave sets were built for the film. They were carefully reused with different camera angles, set dressing, and lighting to suggest a nearly endless collection of interconnected tunnels and caverns. For realism, the makers also limited the lighting on the sets to light sources that the protagonists brought with them, such as flashlights, helmet lights, and light sticks. Shauna McDonald was slightly claustrophobic, so she found it easy to act scared and panicky while underground. According to audio commentary on the DVD, there was an exact replica made of Nora Jane Noon, and after the film was finished, she got to keep the head of the doll. Once she put it in her mother's freezer as a joke. Not sure her mother found that too funny. Every actress in the group is from a different country. Shauna McDonald was raised in Scotland, was born in Malaysia. Natalie Mendoza comes from Hong Kong, but has lived all over the world. Alex Reed was born in England. Sakya Mulder is from the Netherlands. Mayanna Buring is originally from Sweden before moving to Great Britain. And Nora Jane Noon comes from Ireland. Director Neil Marshall first chose to have a dark cave as the setting for his horror film, then decided to add the element of the crawlers, describing them as something that could get the women, something human, but not quite. The crawlers were depicted as cavemen who never left the caves and involved in the darkness. Marshall says it's a colony, and I thought it would be more believable than making them the classic monsters. If they had been all male, it would have made no sense, so I wanted to create a more realistic context for them. I wanted to have the very feral, very primal species living underground, but I wanted to make them human. I didn't want them to be aliens because... Humans are the scariest things. Um, Marshall initially wanted to pass on the project, having just done another horror movie, Dog Soldiers, from 2002. He later reconsidered since both movies were nothing alike, and he decided to cast an all-female group of protagonists to contrast to the normally male-dominated horror genre. He consulted with his female friends to avoid cliches, and define their personalities, and chose actresses with a wide array, wide array of accents to give the film a more cosmopolitan feel. Tobin Bell, who's Jigsaw, John Kramer from the Saw series, said in an interview that this is one of his favorite horror films. Neil Marshall cited Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, The Thing from 82, and Deliverance from 72 as influences in establishing tension for the film. The director elaborated, We really want to ramp up the tension slowly, unlike all of the American horror films you see now. They take it up to 11 in the first few minutes and then simply can't keep it up. We want to show all these terrible things in the cave, dark, drowning, claustrophobic. Then, when it couldn't get any worse, make it worse. Marshall also said at the 63rd Venice International Film Festival that he was inspired by Italian horror films of the past, in particular those by Dario Argento and Lucio Fulci. The park where the women are supposedly meeting, Chattooga National Park, does not exist. The name references the Chattooga River, 
which is a real river where the movie Deliverance is filmed, which is loosely referenced in the movie. Um, and it emphasizes nature versus city dwellers. And in Deliverance, there is this is the river that leads Lewis and his friends into trouble. With the exception of Sarah's husband, as well as some non-speaking extras in the hospital scene, no men appear in the movie. This is the exact reverse of Neil Marshall's previous film, Dog Soldiers, which was almost exclusively a male cast with just a couple of women. And here's some more uh, contrast about Deliverance. Similar to Deliverance thematically, and that they're a group of friends doing a back-to-nature type camping trip, which devolves into a grim survivalist horror show for everyone involved, pitting man against nature and man against man. Both films also take place in around the Appalachian Mountains in the Carolinas, although the descent, although I thought the deliverance was in northern Georgia, I'm not sure, I'll have to check that out. Although the descent is a supernatural horror movie and deliverance is a realistic horror movie, one movie focuses on self-sacrifice and motherhood, the other on rape and revenge. The villains in one movie being subterranean demons, the others being almost mutant-like, inbred, sexually predatory mountain men. The cast of The Descent being mostly entirely female, the cast of Deliverance all male, the movies certainly have profound differences, but with their grim survivalist feelings, the essential toughness both stories have about them, the fact that both movies have a similar tone and message about the importance of facing the abyss and building character, highlight that both movies are profoundly similar as well. The Crawlers were designed by Paul Hyatt, a makeup and prosthetics creator. Production designer Simon Bowles said that the Crawler design had started out as wild-eyed and more creature-like, but the design shifted to a more human appearance. Uh, crawlers originally had pure white skin, but the look was adjusted to look grubbier. The skin was originally uh, phosphorescent in appearance, but the effect was too bright and reflective in the darkening, darkened sets, so they adjusted it to make them blend into the shadows. For the sequel, Hyde improved the camouflaging ability of the crawler's skin tones to deliver better scares. According to Hyatt, John wanted them more viciously feral, inbred, scarred, and deformed with rows of shark-like teeth for ripping flesh. A charnel house was designed for the crawlers, as well as a set that the crew called the Crawler Crapper. And you'll have to watch the movie to see what that's about. It's pretty gross. Uh, Simon Bowles also designed the uh, Maze of Caves for the Descent. Um... And as we already said, there were 21 sets. They were also built by Rod Voss and his company Arma, Armadillo. And they used a unique system of polyurethane sprayed rocks to create the cave-like appearance. And we already talked about the cave, so we won't do that again. The Danish title for the film is Descent into Hell. Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald described crawlers as blind, snarling cave dwellers looking much like Gollum's bigger kin. Douglas Singh of the Straits Times also noted that the crawlers look similar to Gollum. Being a cross 
between the creatures and the vampiric reapers from Blade 2. Yep, they do kind of look like that. David Germain of the Associated Press noted that the crawlers have evolved to suit their environment, eyes blind because of the darkness in which they dwell, skin slimy and gray, ears bat-like to channel their super hearing. The crawlers are sexually dysmorphic, with males being completely bald, while females sport thick, dark hair on their heads. So make sure you look for that in the second movie. They are nocturnal hunters, which surface from their caves to hunt for prey and bring the spoils of their hunts back to their caverns. The crawlers have an auditory shout-out to the Predator series, they're similar to the clicks dolphins make and are very early tip-off that they use sonar. Juno and Paul's affair is heavily foreshadowed several times before it is revealed. The opening has Paul helping Juno with her helmet out, helmet off while they are after they finish the whitewater rafting trip. His distraction in the car can also be put down to his troubled thoughts about the matter. Juno has a necklace that she plays with at one point and later kisses it for luck before crossing the crevasse. It turns out Paul gave it to her as a gift. In the cabin, Sarah quotes Paul's personal motto. This causes Juno to give her a look. Juno's aforementioned necklace had said motto carved onto it. And Juno also said... At one point, we all lost something in that crash. The little girl in the movie is played by Neil Marshall's niece, Molly uh, Cavill. Um, the cast members, as I previously said, the three of them did their own uh, whitewater rafting trip. However, Neil Marshall had to get... Uh, the insurance company to check off on that scene and they <coughs> excuse me they made them pay uh, a bunch of extra insurance money for that Sarah's early run through the hospital initially included a brief silhouette of a crawler in the shadows but Neil Marshall took it out as he decided against the suggestion that they were all in Sarah's head the pajamas uh, that we see in the cabin scene at the beginning that all had the women laughing weren't in the original script, uh, but the costume department provided them, and Neil Marshall and his cast couldn't resist having a laugh. The initial cave entrance to the cave, as shot from overhead, is pure CG, and that's good because they're standing right on the edge of it. Claustrophobia is a big aspect of the film's fear, but Neil Marshall had no clue how many people were affected by it until he started showing the film to audiences. Um, composer, as we said, David Julian, scored the film, which was ideal for Phil Marshall as he was listening to his music from Insomnia while he wrote the script. The tight tunnel crawl was used for several of the women's audition scenes. They did it beneath a table lined tightly with chairs. Uh, at 56 minutes in, the night vision shot of Bones is actually a miniature. 
There were initially scenes of the women discussing the crawler's potential origins in detail, but Neil Marshall wisely cut it as imagined exposition didn't help the film. The film is dedicated to Meg, Neil Marshall's beloved dog who died halfway through the production. Uh, the, scene, the scene where Sarah finds Beth barely clinging to life in the originally featured some, quote, tru truly shit dialogue, and the actors let that be known. Neil Marshall agreed. The three went to a nearby pub that night before filming and rewrote the dialogue on a napkin. The film's producer chewed Marshall out for it, but he also agreed the scene was vastly improved. They have their own ideas as to what the ending means for Sarah, and while Neil Marshall points out that some people have found its downbeat ambiguity unsatisfactory, he remains a fan. Of course, he's talking about the UK version. A possible and less gruesome shout-out to Neil Marshall's previous film, Dog Soldiers, occurs when Sam has to push Holly's splintered bone back into her leg. In Dog Soldiers, Cooper has to push Wells' intestines back into him. Another very subtle Dog Soldier reference, doubling as a mythology gag. When Sarah discovers an old helmet in the cave, a closer look reveals the name Oswald written on the brim. That's a reference to Eddie Oswald, the character mentioned by Wells in Dog Soldiers. Neil Marshall has mentioned that he plans to reference Eddie Oswald in all of his films. Also noteworthy how no one stops to um, talk about how various caving techniques work, such as the use of a ladder to find air currents. Before they enter the cave, Becca reels off a list of things commonly experienced by cavers such as hallucinations, claustrophobia, etc. Prior to the release of the sequel, it was speculated among fans that the crawlers may have been figments of Sarah's imagination and that she actually killed all of her friends as she gradually went insane. Director Neil Marshall acknowledged this theory as a possibility and revealed that he removed a shot, as I mentioned earlier, of a silhouetted character at the hospital so that uh, it would not play into that theory. Uh, let's see. The ending of the movie borrows from the incident at Al, Al Creek Bridge, a famous short story and also a Twilight Zone episode, as well as Jacob's Ladder, a 1990 Adrian Lynn movie about a veteran who, um, yeah, thinks he's experiencing all of these things, but basically it's all in his mind. Now, on to Descent 2. The budget was $6.2 box office is $7 million, so not much different, but of course it went straight to DVD. Um, the original cast from the first movie returned to film the video camera shots featured in the sequel. Executive producer Neil Marshall, 
who was director of the first movie, wanted to flesh out the recording that Holly had made on her camera from the first movie. There are 18 caves built for the first film and 30 for the second. The scene with the stage that the characters used to be lowered down to the uh, cave were created by using a rubber rolling 8-foot wall that looked like the inside of a cave, thus giving the illusion that they were going down beneath the surface. Originally, most of the other original cast members besides Sarah from the first film were set to return for the movie, some in flashbacks, dreams, and possible hallucinations. In the end, Neil Marshall suggested to director John Harris to go about bringing the original cast to use through Holly's camera instead. John Harris, as we said, who's the director of the second film, was the editor of the first film. I believe this is his only directing credit. The Deputy Rios character was originally supposed to be a clinical psychologist, but this was later changed. And the body count in this movie, if you're wondering, is 20 total, 7 humans, 13 crawlers. Uh, this is assuming that the death of the un unconscious Rios occurs off screen. So that's it for trivia for the second movie. Why should you watch these movies? Well, uh, they're very claustrophobic. They have some great um, chase and survival scenes. The crawlers are great creatures. Um, I would suggest watching the first movie for sure. Uh, not so much on the second movie. It really doesn't add anything. But the first movie I really enjoyed. And uh, the pace is good. It's really, uh, it's way up there on my list of favorite horror movies. Now, on to a recipe. Um, we really don't have much to go on this week. I know I say that sometimes, but we really don't have much. But I did find a cocktail that is known as the Cave-In Cocktail, which seemed appropriate. So I will put a link to cocktailbuilder.com where it came from. But it's one ounce Amaretto Almond Liqueur, one ounce Bacardi, 151 rum, splash of orange juice, cranberry juice, and one ounce of Southern Comfort Peach Liqueur. Pour the Amaretto, Bacardi, 151, and Southern Comfort into an old-fashioned glass, three-fourths filled with ice cubes. Stir well, and cranberry juice to taste, and stir again briefly. Add a splash of orange juice and serve. So that is known as the Cave-In Cocktail. Where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. That's it for this week. Stay safe out there. Happy Halloween. And... Um, We'll see you next week. Bye.